Uh, welcome back. So, Professor has concluded uh, the first the fir uh, liquidity preference and um, the sinking fund and the principle of liquidity preference. And we will now move on back to the essay of how to ensure the stability of the European currencies and specifically why silver and the demonetization of silver, which is page... Uh, oh, that's the front. It's at the back. Or if you don't have a copy of the essay, it's there. Behind Rudy. Okay, Thank Professor. you, Sandy. This is the uh, paper, How to Ensure Stability of the New European Currencies. And we have already started this. The uh, question, why silver? I made a confession to you, and I repeat it. I confess that uh, about 20, 20 years ago, I had different views. I considered that the demonetization of silver was a spontaneous development. It was done by the market, and the <coughs> The governments were fighting it. They wanted to keep silver. I made a 180-degree <laughs> conversion. Uh, my view, uh, my views presently are just the opposite. The, uh, and I explained this already to you that the governments uh, probably uh, through a conspiracy, especially two protagonists, the government of the newly formed German Empire um, demonetized silver first in the year 1871 and this was followed within a year and a half by the government of the United States which also demonetized silver but through the back door it was not openly announced or admitted and it was not noticed for a, a, a reason which is very interesting. The market price of silver at that time was actually very high, which is an, a very interesting market phenomenon because I mentioned it yesterday, I repeat it today, that the speculators were given a notice by Germany that not only will silver be demonetized, but we are going to melt the silver coins and dump it on the world market. So this sounded like a message to the speculators that preempt the government of Germany and start selling the silver before the German government gets around and do it, and then you'll have risk-free profits. This is not what happened, and to my mind, that's the smoking gun. I told you that we don't have a hard evidence that there was a conspiracy between governments to demonetize silver. But there is lots of circumstantial evidence pointing in that direction. And one of the most important ones, what I call the smoking gun, is this. 
that in spite of this widely advertised move by the Germans to dump silver on the world market, the silver price went, if anything, it went up rather than down, when everybody normally would have thought that the silver price would immediately start falling. This is not what happened. So much so that when the United States government came around a year later, in 1973, the crime of, sorry, 1870, the crime of 1873, uh, they very quietly dropped the standard silver dollar from the list of eligible uh, coins, which were authorized for minting. And they, uh, this was a, a subdued message that silver is also being demonetized by the United States government. <coughs> it was still a high, relatively high silver price. So the silver miners in the United States, in the Western countries, including, uh, well, what are the silver mining countries? Nevada, Nevada uh, Colorado, maybe, and of course, Idaho, very important. But I don't know, these uh, states may have had a territorial status at that time. The uh, formal statehood was conferred on them uh, around that time, maybe later, but that's not the important point. The important point that they already had a political cloud. And they could have said, no, this is unconstitutional, you cannot do that. They didn't say that. They just said, all right, we are not selling silver to the government because we get, we get a better price in the open market. They were happy and they did not anticipate what would happen. And what happened was, a little later, that uh, that uh, the German government actually started selling silver, and uh, it looked serious. And then everybody woke up, including speculators, miners, uh, other interests, and a movement was organized to stop that, pointing out that this was unconstitutional on the part of the United States government. And uh, the figure of William Jennings Bryan, presidential candidate, had a very uh, emphatic uh, campaign. And one of the main points of his campaign on the Democratic ticket uh, what year was that? 1896. Oh. 1896. 1896, so it's quite a bit later, more than 20 years later. But the movement started, but it was too late. They missed the boat. The Fata uh, was there. There was nothing you could do about it. Because in the meantime, all these uh, contracts had to be uh, revalued. Well, that's originally contracted in silver money, 
were now payable in gold money. This created the deflation, depression, a lot of bankruptcies, and a lot of unemployment. Up to that point, I think there were no uh, precedents for this wholesale uh, destruction of capital and unemployment. Uh, companies going bankrupt in the droves, and this is, of course, was government manufactured. I now flatly deny that this was a natural evolution and the market moved away from silver to gold. And I flatly blame the whole history as it unfolded after this, and especially the deflations. There were lots of deflationary episodes following this. In the world history, I flatly blame it on that demonetization of silver. And the, the, my reasoning is very simple. Prior to the demonetization of silver, people who wanted to hoard monetary metals, they had a choice. They could hoard gold or they could hold silver. And as a matter of fact, they would be more likely to hoard silver. And uh, in another course in our series, we discussed this, that there are, the well, actually we also discussed this, that marketability, the original concept of Manger could be refined into marketability in the large and marketability in the small. And marketability in the large <laughs> is a property which you find to the largest possible ex extent in which monetary metal? Gold. Gold or silver? Gold. 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 Gold has the greatest marketability in the large. And when you ask the question, what uh, monetary metal has the greatest marketability in the small, then the answer is it's silver. And there is an alternative word for marketability in the large. What, what is the word, the alternative word for marketability in the large? Salability. <laughs> Salability. <laughs> and sometimes liquidity, but sellability is my preference. So what is the most saleable commodity in existence? Gold. It's gold. Now, there is an alternative word also for marketability in the small. What is that word? Hoardability. Hoardability, hoardability which is a bit contrived, but I don't have a better word for that. The idea is that people who want to build up 
capital or just save for the future for any purpose, whether it's old age or uh, education of children or what have you, they add little by little to their pile of hoarded commodity. And if they want the optimum result, they will pick what substance for that purpose, hoarding, with the idea of this hoarding later, is silver. Now, I leave it to you to work it out in your own mind, uh, why silver has this advantage over gold. Just uh, try to convince yourself. Well, one of the things, of course, that it's very widely spread around in the globe. Even, I point out, even beggars have some silver. Even uh, the poorest day laborer has some silver because he's getting his next payment and it will have some silver coins. Gold, so many people live through their whole life without ever touching a gold coin or maybe uh, only as much as their wedding ring. But uh, when it comes to silver, the picture is quite different. But I leave that to you to convince yourself that really silver, there's one thing which silver has to a greater degree than gold, at least especially in the 18th and 19th century, and that is hoardability. Silver is the most hoardable uh, substance. And this is important. Why is it important? Because hoard, hoarding, hoarding uh, monetary metals is not a curse of the gold standard or the silver standard. Very far from it. Hoarding monetary metals is an important market signal, just like prices, interest rates, discount rates, wages, and so on. These are all market uh, signals. And hoarding, silver in this case, indicates that, that credit conditions are deteriorating. And people sense this, either consciously or subconsciously. Whatever the case is, they are hoarding instinctively because they, and, and just think of the marginal bondholder, he would even sell his bond and put the proceeds in gold or silver, and as a result, this hoarding will force the banks, force the government to follow the wishes of the people. And this means that interest rates have been pushed too far down below the marginal uh, time preference of the people. And the reaction comes now the interest rate will have to rise and stabilize around the level of the rate of marginal time preference. So hoarding, let's agree, is a positive thing. In, in any case, 
whether we like it or not, it's a market signal which is there, which is innate. We all have it in our genes that if we see reckless government spending, if we see uh, loose credit policies on the part of the banks, we instinctively save the gold coin or silver coin and rather pass on the paper money, Gresham's Law. This is innate. And as a result, we have a, a, a part of the Silver, monetary silver and also monetary gold being hoarded by the people for that purpose. It's, it, this is what gives teeth. I use this expression several times already in this course. This is what gives teeth to time preference. Without this, without hoarding, time preference is just a pious wish. Oh, we wish the interest rate was higher because then we would be able to have a better return on our savings account. Or our pension fund would be in a better shape. Or the insurance company would not be in danger of, of collapsing and so on. So there are these considerations. Be it as it may, the verdict is this. If you remove silver from the monetary system, as the governments did, at least I assume that this was a conspiracy which uh, ultimately brought about the demonetization of the silver, then you diminish the, the amount of uh, monetary metals available for hoarding purposes. Because before you could hoard either silver or gold or both, or a mixture of the two, but after silver was demonetized, silver was completely eliminated. Nobody in his right mind would hoard silver because the price of silver was falling and it was falling for 60 years, almost non-stop. There were zigzags, sure, and there always are, and the market never goes in a straight line. But <coughs> it was very clear <coughs> that silver was no longer a reasonable choice when it came to hoarding. You had the, <coughs> the right idea that interest rates are too low, governments, so you react by hoarding monetary metals, but silver was no longer a choice. So, in other words, they reduced the amount of monetary metal available for hoarding purposes to monetary gold, which was, which was uh, not so widely available, and certainly for the a poorer strata of the population, gold was out of reach. Only the wealthy people, even middle class, I know from the history of my own family, that there's lots of silver in the family. Silver plate, silver um, uh, implements, uh, jars, jugs, uh, serve, service, 
cutlery, in all, practically all the middle class families, they use silver cutlery. It was a symbol too, but it was also a saving. When, when the family fell on hard times, they sold the family silver and tied themselves over these hard times and repurchased the silver, family silver after. If a, if a child was born, then usually they uh, had a cup engraved with the name of the new, newborn child and date of birth. This was very, very common in European middle-class families. And, and what I'm saying is that all this was eliminated. A lot of people suffered, the middle class in particular. I know it from my own family. They were stuck with this family silver they could no longer use. For instance, there were land-holding families in the middle class, um, not large, but <coughs> some land. And uh, then, of course, uh, if uh, there was a bad harvest, uh, they suffered and they could tie themselves over by putting their family silver in hock and survive to the next crop, which hopefully was going to be better, and then the silver could be uh, take, taken back from the... Uh, uh, from Huck. And, and this was very common. But after the demonetization of silver, this was gone. So they lost whatever land base they had, these middle class families, because they lost their liquidity because of the collapse of the silver price. So this was the social consequence. Very little is being written on that. Perhaps you will confirm that, that in your history, study of history. There's very little reference to the fact that the ground or the rod was yanked out from underneath of the middle classes in Europe. And uh, as a consequence, the middle classes were impoverished as a direct consequence of the demonetization of, of silver. So hoarding, especially in this context, silver hoarding is an important thing. It's not something to say that this is for the, uh, as Kane says, for the psychopathologist to study, because it is like self-preservation. If you realize that the government is overspending and banks are running loose credit policies, then you instinctively react by hoarding. So there's nothing wrong with that. It is a healthy sign. It's innate and the up until the demonetization of silver, it did work fairly well. But after that, it fell apart. And uh, then, of course, it was given a bad name, especially uh, in the 20th century, when the uh, uh, Great Depression was already a 
running its course, that Roosevelt confiscating the gold coins and other gold holdings of the people made this comment that this was crazy, the movement of gold between private hoarding and the monetary system, which uh, was, of course, uh, a very misguided statement because just the opposite is true. This movement from private gold hoards and, and monetary. So, in other words, let's put it this way movement of gold between the mint and the refinery. On, on the face of it, you might agree with Roosevelt that it's foolish that uh, at one time there's government is minting gold coins and then it goes to the refinery melting down these gold coins and then a cycle turns and the movement starts backwards. So this might uh, justify Roosevelt's comments that this is foolish, this is neurotic, it just doesn't make sense, we have to put an end to it. And how to put an end to it? confiscate the gold of the people and then turn around and write up its value from $20 an ounce to 35 and pocket the profit or the government pockets the profit. Now, I'm just adding this thought to it that this is not neurotic, it's not unnatural. This movement of gold or silver, whatever the case may be, from the mint to the refinery and back is part of the mechanism. In particular, we have discussed this, uh, the uh, marginal bondholder withdraws, uh, the sells the gold bond when interest rate is pushed and stays invested in gold coin and goes back. Here the mint and the refiners are not involved. It's only when a rather large uh, movement in interest rates uh, would take place. So with this I think I will uh, want to have some discussion on this and please feel free to comment on this last question. Alex? Um, I can, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about the crime of 1873 and I have Friedman's paper. Um, uh, should I just read a bit from it? It's a, it's, it's a good paper. Um, um, and he describes the same process that you do, and it's, and it's, a, and it's very sort of behind closed doors. It's a, it's a really good, uh, just two paragraphs if you would care to indulge me. Um, movement was afoot to end the Greenback episode and resume the species standard. It was time to start tidying up the coinage legislation. The resulting Coinage Act of 1873 listed the coins to be minted. The list included gold coins and subsidiary silver coins, but omitted the historical standard silver dollar of 30, 371 and a quarter troy grains of pure silver. Further tidying occurred in 1874. Here's a footnote. The 1873 Act included a provision for coining a heavier silver trade dollar to be used in trade with Mexico and the Far East, which were on the silver standard. The trade dollar had legal tender status. This was removed in June 1874 when Congress passed the revised statute 
which provided that no silver coin was to be legal tender beyond the amount of $5, and that any foreign coin was prohibited from being a tender. Um, and he has a couple citations. Um, according to another historian, the coinage legislation was first introduced by Senator John Sherman in 1868. The bill actually passed, but was initially drafted in 1869, though clearly there were some subsequent changes and first introduced in the Senate in April of 1870. So I just wanted to sort of this is a this good confirms what I have been and, and specifically Friedman confirms what you're saying. Okay. Um, this is from Milton Friedman. There are two quotations you had, is it? One from Friedman and the other from um, it, he, he, he quoted another historian who published a paper in um, uh, 1968, basically mentioning that silver, that a, a bill to um, take silver out of circulation was introduced in 1868, so actually three years earlier. And the person that he cited was Senator John Sherman. So, John Sherman. Um, now, but my, uh, I have a little bit of a different quibble. Okay. with the uh, impact of uh, demonetizing silver. Because historically, this is sort of like an accepted fact, that this post-reconstruction, um, so I want to say after, Civil War, after the Civil War, 1877 until the early 19th century, is known as the Gilded Age. I mean, a tremendous increases in productivity, a, tr a tremendous economic boom, in addition to immigration from abroad. So not only are there, peop are, are there more people entering the labor, labor market, but there's also this tremendous boom. Now this is different from the way you describe sort of middle classes suffering from uh, demonetization of silver in Europe. But in the US, it's a little different. And um, I can't quote statistics um, on productivity or um, uh, the specifically labor productivity or industrial output. I just know I know that it's an accepted fact, and that's why they call the period the Gilded Age. A historian that I can refer to that gives us specific statistics is Murray Rothbard, and this is a very interesting case because if the demonetization of silver leads to this deflationary period, and in fact the period. Before the, 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 the original, the Great Depression that we know, 1829 to 19, uh, 1929 to 1933, the first Great Depression before that was from 18, 